Shalom and welcome to Israel Policy Pod. I'm Evan Gottesman, Associate Director of Policy and Communications at Israel Policy Forum. I'm Margo Nykirk. I'm the Policy and Communications Associate. And I'm Eli Koaz, Communications Director in Tel Aviv. And in Tel Aviv, you have some interesting news coming out of what must have been an interesting last couple of hours since the election yesterday. Yes, obviously, it was a a long night as the official votes came in uh, in the last elections. You'll remember that there was a quite a big difference between what the exit polls released at 10 p.m. were than the final results, where most people uh, at the beginning thought that maybe Kaholavan would be victorious. And then overnight, it became clear that Netanyahu did much better than people initially thought. Obviously, he was unable to form a government, and that's why we had these elections. But to be fair, the exit polls last night were pretty accurate. And there's no clear winner here, but there is a clear loser and that loser is uh, Benjamin uh, Netanyahu and the Likud party. party. It seems a little early to say anything so conclusive, but I think that you're right. This isn't the outcome that Netanyahu necessarily was looking for. He doesn't have a clear path to a government without Avigdor Lieberman's Yisrael Beitenu party. And right now, Lieberman is sticking with his promise to only support a unity government with both Likud and Kachol Levan. And of course, if Kachol Levan sticks to their promises and they uh, continue to refuse to sit with a prime minister who's facing indictments, then Netanyahu doesn't have a path to a government. And of course, there are a lot of ifs at play there. Right. And Lieberman's also called specifically, or he's laid out a list of demands specifically asking to have that ultra-Orthodox military draft, as well as civil marriage and public transportation uh, open on Shabbat as, and commerce on Shabbat. So he's open to sitting in any coalition as long as list list of demands is met. This proves to be difficult regarding Bibi's hopeful coalition with the ultra-Orthodox that are clearly against this. And we'll just have to wait and see where Kahul Avan stands. Yeah. So before we, go, before we go any further, I would just like to update our listeners about the actual results, which we have 90.4% of the Results reporting, the only remaining votes are double ballots and soldier votes. Double ballots are votes that come from diplomats around the world, from prisoners who are entitled to vote, and for hospital patients and people without access to their designated polling station. We can expect those tomorrow. So obviously, Kaholavan and the Likud, the two biggest parties, Kaholavan right now are in the lead by one seat with uh, 32 seats. This could change, but not by much. One seat here or there. The Likud are right behind with 31 seats. And then we have what many see as the surprise of this election. That was a kind of the result of the Netanyahu smear campaign against Israeli Arabs over the last week of the campaign from the chat bot on Facebook that accused all the Arabs of being an enemy trying to destroy Israel. We had a lot of hatred really uh, geared towards them, and that really brought out the Arab vote. So the joint list had 13 seats. After that, we have Shas with nine seats. They're closing in on 10, but we'll have to wait to see what the remaining uh, votes in. Then we have Yisrael Beitenu, the real 
kingmaker of this election, as the polls predicted, with nine seats. We have united toward Judaism, the Ashkenazi ultra-Orthodox party, with eight seats. Then we have Ayala Chaked's Yamina, Naftali Bennett, and with the National Union and the uh, and Habayta Yudi, the Jewish home, and they're at seven seats. Netanyahu again taking a lot of their their votes. Then we have the two left wing parties, uh, Avoda Gesher, with six seats, and the Democratic Union with five seats. They're also close to sixth seat, uh, depending on soldier votes. So that's pretty much how the results are with 90 to 90.4% of the vote counted. If we look at the blocks, it's 56 seats for the what's called the left center block, which includes the joint list, 55 seats for the right wing ultra-Orthodox block, which includes Netanyahu, the Amina party, Netanyahu's Likud, obviously the Amina party and the two ultra-Orthodox parties. And then we have Yisrael Beitenu in the middle pushing for that unity government with currently nine seats, and it looks like that's what they'll end up end up. Although when, when we're talking about the blocks, I think it may be a little misleading to list the joint list as part of the center-left, even though Ayman Oda, the leader of the joint list in the Hadash party, has made some overtures toward Benny Gantz, and they are supposed to be meeting, and there could be some changes in that field, and I certainly think it would be a positive development if there were changes in that area. Traditionally, the joint list doesn't sit even in a center-left Zionist government. And so that really brings the center-left block to 43 seats. And I think when we're talking about these traditional blocks, we're missing also that the main objective of Kacholavan in this election, as well as the main objective of Avigdor Lieberman's Yisrael Beitenu, is a unity government that would include the right-wing Likud party just without Benjamin Netanyahu. Although Lieberman hasn't explicitly said that he wants Netanyahu out. His formulation, if it played out, would probably mean Netanyahu would have to leave. Yes, and for I would say that is Lieberman's objective. I would say that it became Kaholavan's campaign objective because they were losing votes from Lieberman in polls. And obviously, it looks like that's their only route right now to forming a government is a unity government. But maybe quickly, because we don't have that much time, we're going to do a more... Uh, expansive podcast to discuss everything that happened uh, yesterday. But maybe quickly, let's touch on the most likely scenarios here, because it looks like there are two. And one of them has a few variations, which is that unity government with Netanyahu, without Netanyahu. All the top Likud lawmakers have last night seeing the results before the official results were backing Netanyahu. Today, they're backing him. And Kaholavan, obviously, with their promise to not sit with Netanyahu. Gantz didn't mention that explicitly in his speech last night, but that's something that all the the top four at Kaholavan have promised consistently. The right-wing parties are planning to negotiate as a bloc. So that's a report. It's not official yet, but that's a report that Netanyahu is going to make some statement later today saying that the four right-wing parties will negotiate as a bloc. It's kind of just like a a technicality, it doesn't really mean that much. They still don't have 61. It doesn't change the, the numbers or the, the results. So that will be interesting to see. And the other alternative here, which I hate to say, is a third election looks like a possibility. Uh, now, especially if the Likud, uh, all the Likud lawmakers decide to stick 
with Netanyahu. And if Netanyahu leads Israel to third elections, I don't know if that will be, I, I, he'll probably try to blame someone else. And we can talk about that scenario more later, but I don't like his chances there and just terrible for, for the country, obviously. And we'll, we obviously have Netanyahu's indictment hearing happening October 2nd. So that will be in the middle of coalition negotiations. We're not sure if the President Rivlin will give the mandate to Gantz or Likud. Right now, I would say if results stay like this, the odds are that Gantz will get the first opportunity, but we'll have to wait and see. Right. Well, real quick, because you mentioned about the negotiations going on between the right-wing parties that Bibi and especially the Yamina part, the or the former Yamina party that is going on right now. There are sources that have said that Shaked realizes that the parties that are part of Yamina may be in the opposition in the next Knesset if they don't go to a third election. Because regardless of whether they are together or split, a Gantz-led government will be with Labour and with the Democratic Union, and there's no place for Yamina to fit into that kind of coalition. And then if there is a unity government, they won't need the smaller right-wing parties. Yamina won't be part of that. So a lot of these right-wing parties are, you could say, are losing their influence over Israeli politics. Yeah, exactly. And that, exactly. Happens. That's a great That's a great point. And that was the goal of, of Lieberman, too, to uh, stop these like sectorial parties from having uh, big influence. Obviously, he's the one with the big influence. But yet, he even suggested last night that he doesn't have to be part of the government. Um, I don't think, I think he was just saying that. But you'd have, even between the Likud and Kaholavan, you could form a government with, right now, 63 seats. But again, the issue of Netanyahu and Netanyahu staying on, and whether Kaholavan will agree to some sort of rotation agreement bearing uh, the legal proceedings, too early to tell. I tend to think that it won't happen. Um, we also have, people talked a lot about Amir Peretz maybe jumping in and joining a Netanyahu coalition, along with Orly Levy. I see, especially how the math works, it seems very unlikely. I don't, Amir Peretu obviously shaved his mustache, vowing to not sit with Netanyahu. He would need, not only for him and Orly Levy to join, also other Labour MKs, Itzik Shmuli, Merav Michaeli, Revital Swed, Omer Barlev, the six that have entered the Knesset. The rumor that Amir Peretz was going to join Netanyahu, I think, was originally, if not started or initiated, was circulated by Victor Lieberman. And I think that it was kind of in his interest to discredit the Labour Party and maybe draw some votes away from people because I think that Lieberman really benefited from left of center voters who just a couple months ago probably would never have dreamed of voting for Yisrael Beitenu, but he made it like he was a safer bet against Netanyahu than the Labor Party. So I don't know if I would necessarily, I would, I wouldn't necessarily trust that formulation. I would also question going back to what you mentioned, Margot, Shaked's idea that a Kaholavan government would include the Democratic Union and the Labor Party. I think that again, Lieberman has played his cards very well and he's going to try very hard not to have the Democratic Union and probably not the Labor Party in a government that he's in. He's talked about what you mentioned, Eli, that he doesn't need to be in the party. I, I, he doesn't need to be in the coalition. I agree with you. I think that's just a line. If you were looking at the Yisrael Beitenu post-elections event, all of their MKs were saying that. So I think it was a carefully curated line that they were just all told to say. But I think that Lieberman's real objective, and he's 
sort of uh, elucidated on this since the election results have come out is that he wants a government that is literally just Israel, Beitenu, Likud, and Kacholavan, and no one else, not parties to his left, and certainly not the sectoral parties. Yeah, I don't know if, I think maybe he'd be fine with labor to be part of that government. I don't know if he would, there was a bit of talk about the role of the Arab parties just because of how, uh, and the joint list, because of how many seats they won. But yeah, he definitively ruled that out. And I think that's probably not going to happen. But I think we're going to see a more, uh, a change in how the relationship between the government and between uh, the Arab parties. I think that's, that's likely. I just want to mention before we wrap up, three quick things on Israel Betenu and Lieberman, where he got his votes. He definitely got uh, some votes from the center left, but he also got a lot of votes from the right by the looks of things. He took, remember, probably a lot of votes from Kahlon, Kahlon and Zeud joined the Likud and the Likud dropped by uh, three seats. Something notable and also something notable, you're giving Lieberman the credit for shaving Amir Peretz's mustache, which is, I haven't thought of that, but but... Very interesting. I think we credited him with perhaps shaving Peretz's credibility with his voters, not necessarily his mustache. Well, it, it, it led to the mustache shaving. <laughs> so in a roundabout way, maybe. But, you know, Lieberman has some facial hair of his own, and I don't know if he's so keen to shave other people's mustaches. In any case, these election results are certainly interesting. It's going to be interesting to watch the coalition negotiations play out. Netanyahu is certainly more in a corner than he expected to be. It appears now that he's canceled his appearance at next week's United Nations General Assembly, which is, by the way, going to mess up my bus commute. The bus is only going to stop at Fifth Avenue. But Netanyahu is going to have no commute to the UN General Assembly. He's not showing up because of the election results. And he's going to have to have a lot more planning if he's intending to save his political... And there are talks of Yisrael Katz actually being the one to give Israel's address at the UN General Assembly. Yisrael Katz, a name mentioned when people talk about who will take over Likud after Netanyahu. So, interesting. I think when we say the words after Netanyahu, though, we may be getting just a little ahead, and that might be something... But we are a lot closer to after Netanyahu today than we were... Yesterday, sure. I agree with that, but... I think we should be circumspect in our predictions and wait to see what the soldier ballots tell us. And also, which, of course, won't have any sort of landslide changes, but also wait to see who President Rivlin gives the mandate to. And we'll keep you updated with all the different machinations that are at play with the different parties. Everything hinges on a few specific numbers and also these commitments that the parties have made. And I think we can end with a quote from former Prime Minister Levi Eshkol, who said, I made a promise, I just didn't promise to keep my promise. And that sort of thinking could really dictate where things fall with the next Israeli government, or maybe the next Israeli election. So we'll find out. Yes. And if you still want to remain up to date with the election results as it's still unfolding, please check out our 120 Project election resource at www.israelpolicyforum.org forward slash elections two. You'll be able to see the coalition builder and see how many seats are allocated towards each party and what would be a most viable solution forward. We're also running post-election analysis programs in D.C., Chicago, and New York on this coming Thursday, September 19th, and next week, Monday on September 23rd in Los Angeles and Boston. 
There's more info on our website, and you can go to www.israelpolicyforum.org forward slash events. 